that's gonna get me sentimental. You know I'm sensitive. I got a gentle mental. Well, last time we are here in the Lions 24-7 podcast. One last time. Yeah. I'm out, man. Yeah. If you read the site already, you know the news. Our man Andrew Callahan is going pro. He is moving up. Uh, Declaring know. a little late in the process. He's, <laughs> he, <laughs> better get in before training camp, I he, think. He LeBroned us. But yeah. um, no, he's uh, he's going home. He's going home. Yeah. I feel real, good about that. A real sense of going home. It's, uh, it's an awesome opportunity going to cover the Patriots for Mass Alive. This is something that you know we've had to keep under wraps for a little while. There's a lot of things that go on in the process. And um, part of that was other parts not going as planned. I mentioned at the end of the last episode we were going to have six guests. I had this whole Meet the Beat podcast, which went fantastic. We were downstairs at Champs. We recorded this after Lift for Life, had uh, seven, eight different people on, and then my computer dies. Just killed. And so that was going to be a nice way of saying goodbye, check in with everyone. Uh, Mike Foreman was great. Mike Gross was great. Greg Pickle was good. Uh, we had Ben Jones, John McGonagall, Audrey Snyder. Uh, Joe Herman was going to pop by. Just, you know, people who were there. And, you know, obviously uh, you were welcome, but uh, you had other plans besides strength with the rest of us and chance. But anyway, yeah, this is um, this is great for me. I grew up in Connecticut. All my family's from Massachusetts. We'll be in Boston now and uh, can't wait to get started. But, you know, as I said on Twitter, this has been the best, probably most fortunate 22, 23 months of my life now working yeah. down here. Yeah. And if you think about it, you kind of joined us in the 2016 season. I think the first game you actually covered was Minnesota. So I think Penn State fans, they're going to be upset at you because yes. your record here is impeccable. I mean, better than Joe Moorhead's while he's there. You know, better than James Franklin uh, yeah. over the last two years. Yeah. I mean, you, maybe it was you. You know, I, that's that was the running joke when I showed up. Though, if you go back a week, you were at Michigan. Yeah. Because you had those first three weeks where it was just you, and like that was another thing that didn't I, quite I, go I, as planned. I don't need reminder. Yeah. That. Okay. <laughs> well, Erica doesn't need a reminder first and right. foremost. Right. But the, the first game I covered uh, was actually at my girlfriend's at the time in Lancaster. Was the Michigan game. So that's like on a. ABC, I'm here. It's my first week, not traveling. Brandon Smith gets that uh, what targeting, targeting ejection, yeah, awful, and you're trying yeah. to explain to me like a, this, like a it was an awful call, yeah. but b of all kids for this to happen to, he's the last one. Like just you know the the team saint essentially, exactly. And I'm getting video of it on my phone up against your screen, and it's a crappy TV. And I'm like, is this is this what I'll be looking forward to? But anyway, that's 49 to 10. And I think you were at a beer fest that day or something too, or that um, weekend or something. No, that was later. I couldn't have gotten away with that. Uh, uh, Whatever. That early on. We'll just say you were. But anyway, so that was my first game. They lost, then didn't lose again until the Rose Bowl. But yeah, I mean, the whole thing has been an awesome run. I mean, you look at last year, two losses by four points. And, you know, I've said this on the site multiple times. My paycheck doesn't change based on how Penn State does. But there, there's no doubt it's it's a it's a more fun experience. <laughs> but if it did, it would have really yeah. benefited. Yeah, that would have been nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a more fun experience when the people that you're interacting with every day, coaches, players, sources, whatever, are just a little bit happier. Yeah. So it was um, a lot of drama. A lot of fun, great football. My parents were not college football people. Came out to the last two whiteout games, and they were like, "Oh my god, you get it, yeah, yeah, yeah." You just do. And I was fortunate too because I don't think a lot of people know this. You do, but I used to come out here my senior year of uh, college because I met friends abroad who went to Penn State, got to know the area, you know, everything about it, and really kind of fell in love to a degree. So when you know 
our old boss uh, who hired me said, you got to move to State College. I was like, yep, sure. Fine. I'm in. It's, yeah. It works. Well, you're in mid-20s. You can still get around. And you mentioned champs earlier. I know that place is going to miss you and your business. But, uh, <laughs> yes, yes. No, I mean, it, it's funny because, you know, I think a lot of people that follow think that everybody in a position that we are in, you know, covering Penn State on 24-7 sports, you know, it, it's not a, you know, not really a fan site, but it's also, you know, they think we're Penn State guys. You're not a Penn State guy. No. So you were kind of an outsider. We were covering them down in Lebanon for a while, doing a phenomenal job. Took it to the next level when you got to, to with us at twenty four seven sports and and honestly you know what I'm saying nobody does it better I mean it, your breakdowns and all that kind of stuff um, you know I, I had to pull you back a few times because you were staying up until you know five a.m. counting snaps at times but you know just nobody did it better over the last two years your work has been untouchable we're really gonna miss you around here thanks it's it's, it's insane uh, you know it's you know when you broke the news I'm I'm, I'm thinking. Man, that's the that's the cool opportunity for you. You get to go live in Boston. You get to go cover the Patriots. You get to go get frowned upon by Bill Belichick, which I know <laughs> is your dream too. Yeah. Um, but man, we're we're really gonna miss you because the work you've done is unparalleled on this beat, and it's been really just crazy to watch. You know you, you, your progress over the last couple of years, and that is why you're going to cover the Patriots. That's why you're going pro. That's why you're doing all this stuff, and it's been it's been awesome. And this and this podcast is you know is is your brainchild as well. The 68th episode. I'm sorry we left you one short. Oh, that was the, that was the big thing with the whole meet the beer uh, that was no. going to be 69 anyway i'm sorry um but no it's been it's been quite a ride thanks that that really means a lot um and, and coming from the guy who was uh, directly below me on the backlash media power rankings when i came aboard the beat that that no um Ooh. but no it, wow. <laughs> which that was a weird intro into itself because again i'd never heard of this site which i think is, is long gone hopefully so like you know it it went away when Penn State started winning. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, but I, I have this arrival. Because the media are more positive when a team wins, if you can believe that. Yeah, yeah. If the people at the bottom were having to be more critical, yeah. it wasn't the job they were doing. Anyway, my intro was, you know, uh, kind of blown up on the spot there. And, you know, I've I, I just been super lucky. I mean, recruiting was not my strength. There's no one better at it than you. And I think that could be said, not only just in the Penn State market, but on a larger scale, too. I mean, if you weren't here, like, I, I had no reason to believe you wouldn't be just huge, national, successful recruiting guy. Um, but I think for me, it, entering as like, again, that guy who was billed as top on the beat by whoever ran that site, which which doesn't mean anything. But nonetheless, like it's it's kind of tough to come into a spot where, you know, there's high expectations. And for me, I didn't want to work to meet those. I just wanted to get the most of what I could do every day. So like, I, you know, I think every road game this past season didn't sleep. And that's just a matter of I can get so much more done and get this out there because I want to produce content that I want to read. And I, I feel like I did that to a degree. And it's not just the breakdowns and the snap counts, but, you know, whether it was a profile or a feature or an inside look at the scout teams or the clinics, which just came out earlier this week, I just, you know, wanted to prove that, like, listen, like if, if effort is, is your ally instead of an obstacle, I mean, you can do almost anything like I was working at an Indian restaurant less than five years ago under the table without a job, like just kind of like writing for free on the internet. And it's taken a lot of work, but the rewards of being able to have this opportunity and now move on are, are all totally worth it. And it doesn't come along with just working hard, but like getting to know people like you and, and everyone else along the way. So this is a long rambling way of saying thank you. And uh, it's been awesome. 
It has been awesome, and, and and every next step you take, and I and I knew when we hired you just based off of your work, um, this was not the last stop for you, and I and I'm glad it's not because you've got you know a, a really bright future ahead of you. Uh, we're we're gonna miss you like crazy, and we've we've, we've got a replacement coming. Uh, we still can't talk about it right now because of you know paperwork and all that kind of stuff. But we're gonna you know we're gonna, we're gonna fill your spot, but we we really can't fill your shoes. So it's uh, well, thank you. It's been it's been really crazy over the last two years, and and, and we're. Everybody, I know our message board loves you. I know our readers love you. I know most people re- reviewing us on iTunes love you. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been it's been nuts, man. Except for you, Tom Jones. <laughs> Speaking of which, he probably hates the first eight minutes of this because uh, yeah, yeah, you know, it's been more banter and talk about me. But let's move on. We got a pod down. We lo- we, we lost one to New England. Penn State gaining one from New England ah. this week. Um, there's my. I'm that working on my good. segue game. Yeah, you better. Uh, soon. CJ Holmes popped up on campus uh, this summer. Uh, Notre Dame transfer was a running back there. Penn State recruited him out of uh, Cheshire Academy in Connecticut a couple of years ago. Actually, just two years ago. It seems like it was a lot longer than that. Recruited him as a wide receiver. He played running back at Notre Dame. Carried I think eight times for 32 yards against North Carolina last year. That was his only action. I just, think that's exactly what he did yeah <laughs> dismissed um yeah like if you have those numbers there's no way this is i'm just gonna throw out eight yeah, and 32 ish, 32 yeah, ish, might have know, been 40 average around four yards maybe carry. 42 uh, i can do math too um but yeah i was dismissed at notre dame had the shoplifting charge which has uh, since been dismissed i saw i saw this week um so he, he popped up at penn state gonna walk on at penn state pretty good deal for them um, you know, he's got to sit out this season with transfer rules. And it doesn't matter if you're a scholarship guy, a walk-on guy. If you're going from FBS to FBS, provided you don't get some sort of crazy waiver for some reason, I don't know if it's like the old Miss staff lied to you or something crazy like that, yeah. then you can't play right now. So, But he's got a redshirt year. He played as a redshirt freshman at Notre Dame. He's got a redshirt year. He'll come in next year. Um, you know, his position is probably still a little bit up in the air. Penn State needs numbers at running back, uh, losing Mark Allen and Jonathan Thomas after this season. And potentially Miles Sanders. And, I mean, potentially, we'll see, yeah, we'll see and you have there. to admit that. I mean, Miles Sanders hasn't done really much to this day or to this point. But By no think, fault of his own. You think about being a running back. I mean, your shelf life is short. You can only be hot for a certain amount of time, unless you're Saquon. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, you have to leave yourself open to that possibility. I mean, it's not—I don't think it's a huge possibility right now, but it certainly could change. Uh, you know, if he has a big year. Yeah, and it's, again, it sounds crazy, but you think about—you know—Alabama school that has had a ton of great running backs. Yeah, they get run into the ground, and partly that's you know your operations in practice or elsewhere. But again, the short—the shelf life is more you know, important there than I think any other position. Like you just have to go get it. So if he breaks out, has an all time season. Yeah. Maybe he goes, you have to, I, I, you I have to account for it. You can't, yeah. you, you can't count on it happening, but you have to account for it just in case. And Penn state, you know, if, if he leaves Mark Allen, of course, and Jonathan Thomas don't have any time left. Right. Uh, Ricky Slade's still there. Journey Brown's still there. Um, you're going to bring in Devin, Devin Ford, Ford as well. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a young and experienced room next year, probably regardless of, of what miles could decide. Um, so having Holmes there as a running back makes sense. Um, you know, he's a little slight right now. I don't think he's a, a big guy. We saw him at lift for life a little bit. Uh, you know, it doesn't fit the the mold as a big back or anything like that. I think he was listed at 6'2", 200 coming out of high school. I don't think he's that tall. I'm not sure where he weighs right now. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think he best slots as a running back. But Penn State recruited him as a receiver the first time around, so that option is there as well. Offensive athlete is what I was told. It, not Nobody's really forthcoming with uh, with information on Holmes right now, but offensive athlete, you know, you, you figure out where you can work best and you go from there, which, you know, with a year to sit out, I think that's probably all you can do, all you can ask. Would he play right now 
if available. You think? I don't. I I didn't watch him last year. I think he was the fifth string guy at Notre Dame. Of course, they went through some injuries and things like that. Um, but I I just don't know. I mean, I I don't think he play, he wouldn't play in front of Miles Sanders. I mean, could he give you snaps as a slot? You know, sort of change it up type guy. I think so. But I don't think he would play in, in front of Miles Sanders or anything like that. Okay. Uh, how have we taken this long to get to Lance Dixon? Lance Dixon. This is a bigger commit than people are giving credit for. I mean, you know, it just I think people kind of expected it over the last couple of weeks. But well, four-star addition linebacker, you and the kids in athletic. He's freak. a top seventy-five player on 24-7 sports. I missed, missed, missed that plug up pretty good. Um, but uh, yeah, he came to camp last year, ran in the four fours. Penn State offered him. Um, they've been on him since pretty much the start. It recruited him a lot harder than you know. I think Michigan kind of stumbled stumbled their way through this one and 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 paid for it in the end. But I think he's a tremendous prospect. He's going to play that Sam outside linebacker. Can cover a lot of ground. Um, you know, he was a safety. He'll he'll be a linebacker. I think he's over two hundred pounds now. Going on six three, so I think it's a big pickup, an underrated pickup. If you look at the, I guess the the headlines that this generated, or the buzzes generated. I think I love Dixon as a player. I think he's going to be. A, I think he'd be a good one. And you pair him with Brandon Smith at Penn State. That's uh, that's that's quite a class right there. That's where I was going with too, because it's it's a very different body type. But when you look at the two of them again, just physical. There's such a difference with this body type than the linebackers you've seen in the past couple of years. They're getting much faster, more athletic. Dwight Gall, um, head of strength and conditioning for Penn State, spoke about this after Live for Life on Saturday. Of just he was honestly surprised at frankly how slow some of the guys were here. And it's just you know different kind of players. It was a different system they had when they entered in here, but they've been trying to change that slowly. I think this year's group will be the fastest group of linebackers Franklin's had, and then of course that'll continue with with guys like Dixon and Smith coming in. Dixon's interesting to me because I think when I, again, following this more peripherally than anything, because you're all over it, Michigan guy, you know, they're in the thick of it that it was just kind of, okay, this would be a good get for Penn State, but improbable. His school, great story by Audrey Snyder and the Athletic, they run the same defense Michigan does down to like the terminology. Mm -hmm. So he's playing their Viper kind of hybrid safety linebacker position. Why did that slow down for them? I mean, not to say that Penn State couldn't hit a home run with a kid from Michigan, as they have in the past, but... Like, he's very, very good. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure. I can't answer from the Michigan side of things. I know they, I don't know if they dropped contact, but it just wasn't as regular as it was. Penn State stayed hammering on it. Um, yeah, I think, you know, that Viper position in Don Brown's defense, yeah, it's a pretty ideal fit if you're Lance Dixon. But, uh, Which would know, be more of a Sam here, I guess, the, probably yeah, that's, the best way to equate that's that. That's what he does. Yeah, that's, that's, what, that's what he's going to play here. And he can, he can end up playing the will, I think, as well. Um, but, yeah, he can get out there and be sort of a rover, a guy that can come off the edge and blitz and everything like that. So um, I think he's a good fit at both places. I think Penn State just did a better job recruiting him. And, you know, sometimes that's all, you know, you, you look for these explanations on who messed up or who, you know, who screwed around. It's, I just think ben, Penn State did a better job recruiting. Brent Pry and Tim Banks did uh, deserve a hat tip for this one. Yeah, linebacker recruiting is definitely turning around. It's it's on the uptick. Barton Simmons wrote that thing we talked about a couple weeks ago, where he mentioned Smith and and Dixon as guys that are you know rated higher now because of what we've learned in the you know in the rankings process through the NFL draft and things like that. Great length guys that can run. Um, you know, got got track times on these guys as well. Um, so uh, and, and he compared it. You know, he compared 
this situation to, you know, when James Franklin recruited Zach Cunningham and Oren Burks, a second round and a third round pick respectively at, at Vandy, you know, James Franklin is, you know, if you look on Twitter or whatnot, hasn't had a Penn State linebacker drafted. I think that's, uh, I think that's a correct stat still because Mike Hull was undrafted, if I recall correctly. Um, so he's taken a little bit of flack for that. But, you know, he's recruited some linebackers in the past and they've turned out pretty well. Yes. And, I, you know, will be interesting to see how that move goes moving forward because I think you can build on this potentially because it's difficult to sell linebacker you with the, the most recent results, right? Like there is that long tradition. But when you're speaking to kids who've been watching college football the last five to seven years, you know, you brought up Mike Hall, probably the best linebacker over that stretch. Um, who am I forgetting? Michael Motti also in that discussion. But like, you know, the kids you're recruiting, maybe especially out of state, don't know that. Right. Now when you have a guy like Micah Parsons, right, converted defensive end, but he blossoms as expected. Then Brandon Smith is in there. Two straight years, five-star kids. Then it's, listen, we're, we're developing them. They're coming here. Like, how does that go moving forward? Do they not rebrand as linebacker you, but it's kind of like reestablish yourself? And do they want to keep keep selling that? I mean, as, as much as we don't want to talk about this, as a different version of linebacker you. It's not Dan Connor. It's not Paul Puzlesny, Sean Lee. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a different sort of body type, a different, uh, you know, a different athlete out there and you know that with the way D, or excuse me the way offenses are these days I mean you need a different kind of linebacker I mean the Big Ten is still the Big Ten and you're going to get teams that run the ball but you're also going to play a lot of sets where you're playing two linebackers and they, they need to cover the field yep Next one up, uh, a little bit of a surprise here. John Dunmore to Penn State on July 4th. And actually, uh, spoiler here, we are recording on July 4th. Um, but uh, Happy July 4th. Happy July 4th to you. Um, but, man, big pickup for Penn State. Uh, both trending elsewhere with uh, John Mechie, who may or may not be off the board by the time we record this. But but Dunmore, man, he's, he's a player. I mean, if you look at his highlights, great route runner. Um, you know, fast enough, a uh, guy that can do a lot of things and he can make the catches. I mean, this is one of the guys that Jay Wan Sider, um, who deserves a huge hat tip for this one because, I mean, this is this is an early result. I know people, you know, we're talking back in March and April about, yeah, what has he done, you know, so far? And right. he's got the reputation. He's got the, the guy that says, all these guys that say they want to visit and everything. But you got Dunmore on campus one time for an official visit. And you get a commitment out of him. Uh, I've gotten a couple of these other guys to, to campus. You've got guys that are committed to coming to the, the Whiteout. Tyreek Stevenson is a top, I think, 15 player in the country on 24-7 sports. Going to be at the Whiteout for an official visit. Um, so, I mean, just the, the work that he's done in a short amount of time, and everybody wants it now, everybody wants everything, you know, as it comes, but he's built this up into something that, you know, has some substance to it. And, and we weren't sure where that was at a couple months ago, but John Dunmore is a great, oper- or, excuse me, a great example of, of his recruiting prowess in South Florida. And I think the expectation that it would happen this cycle is probably a bit too soon, but that doesn't change the fact that there is a need to recruit outside the state given the state of Pennsylvania high school football in the current cycle. Right. So I think it's highly impressive, and I know you put uh, a few episodes ago the over-under of like how many Florida kids will commit this cycle, I think at one and a half, and you said probably two, and he's gaining momentum. That seems like a lock to me now. I, I was asked in the chat a couple weeks ago how – you know, which guys were the, the maybe realistic possibilities to visit? Because there's a difference between a you know a guy visiting and a guy that you can get to commit and everything like that. So I listed, I think ten guys, and uh, Mark Anthony Richards is in there, Stevenson's in there, a couple of other guys are in there as well, um, and, and of course John Dunmore. And I said, hey, 
if you can get one of these guys, because these are you know these are four and elite maybe, guys, maybe even five star guys. If you can get one of these guys, that's a win in this cycle because you're building on 2020. If you're Jay Wan Sider, um, 2019 is great. You've got the uh, the relationships from when you were in Florida and some of these other kids, including Dunmore, from when you were at West Virginia. I mean, it, it, if you can just get immediate results from the 2019 class, that's that's insane. Considering where Penn State is and how hard it is to get to Penn State from South Florida, the the differences in temperature, the differences in culture and things like that, I mean, that's that's impressive right there. And I think people forget, too. I mean, you look at the recent classes. Judge Culpepper comes up, leave Jordan Minor also out of Florida. Um, there are players in this roster, Amani Oruarie, who can say, listen, like, I took a gamble. It's all SEC, ACC down there. I came up, have established myself, could be a draft pick coming up. Like, there's, there's an easier sell. I think, you know, it's not easy by any means, but it might be a little bit easier again once you get them on campus outside of the fact it's always good to have players on campus. But because you have a variety of players from Florida who are older than because people have forgotten over the years where they've come from. Right. And it's crazy to think. I mean, Tampa is a little bit, I mean, everywhere in Florida is a little bit different. You know, you recruit the panhandle and uh, Penn State has not had much success there. Of course, Florida State's right there. So it's it's tough. You you want the guys at Florida State once. You want the guys at Florida once, Miami once. Tampa is its own little area and Penn State has had some success there. Penn State really hasn't had much success in South Florida. Gary Wooten a couple of years ago, which was just kind of a Hail Mary type thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, it, it's a different animal, Florida recruiting, and that brings us to the next point. I mean, you're going to have to keep recruiting Dunmore to, to to keep them on board because these Florida kids. I mean, John Dunmore, I believe, has already been committed to, to another school once, but uh, just keeping him on board is going to be tough. Florida State's probably not going to stop calling. Miami's not going to stop calling. Um, at the end, you're going to have to to continue fighting for him. But hey, to get him in the boat right now. There's no need for him to commit to Penn State right now. I mean, he's not. I don't think it's a saving a spot type thing. He wasn't going to lose a spot at Penn State or anything like that. But um, yeah, I mean, this is a this is a big step for Penn State. Big step. The other part about that is, I think he's he's said on the record that he'll plan to take official visits even after committing. Which again, always been the guy to say use those visits, take your power, get as much information as you can, enjoy this as long as you can. Um, but that's interesting too, because again, we, we know the hard steadfast rule for Penn state is like, listen, when you commit, that means no more visits anywhere. That's what, so for him, I think you're right. They're going to keep calling and that distance plays such a huge factor, right? It's easier to keep someone, you know, in the fold when they can come up with a quick drive for a game, for a weekend, for an event and not to bring up old wounds. But I think that played probably the biggest role in Justin Fields from a year ago, you know, making the trip from Georgia. It was just too much. Where does he go to Georgia? Of course, they make the national championship game. Have done a tremendous job in recruiting since Kirby Smart sure got our there. Listeners really yeah, really need to hear that. So we're, we're, we're see, you, Andrew, <laughs> take it easy. Yeah, trying to make my exit easier for all of you, <laughs> um, but you know, it's it, it'll be the distance and the fact that again, this kid is going to be open to those visits. So maybe not a slam dunk, but as you said, it's going to be the recruiting for him doesn't stop, and that goes not only just for schools that may be temporarily shut out, but Penn State as well. Even if he's on board, yeah, it may be one of those situations where you do have to grin and bear it. I mean, you you can tell Don Dunmore not to take trips all you want. At the end, I mean, it's it's going to be it's going to be a, a, a situation that probably will be 
that will come up in the news cycle a couple times, you know, b- before he signs in December. Right. And to be clear, they, they don't tolerate this from anyone. It's kind of like any other industry, like the amount of value that you bring, the power that you have, how good you are determines the leeway that you get. We saw this with Michael Parsons decommitting a year ago right. and coming on board. That's, of course, a very complicated situation that could have its own half hour hour podcast. But or, like or it's a book. Right. Yeah. Again, <laughs> like there's a reason these discussions happen about Manny Bowen potentially coming back. You know, it, it, he's had his third strike, but you look at their linebacker situation and Bowen's been productive as a starter the last two seasons. That doesn't happen if he's a third string guy. You're yeah, just gone. Probably so not. That's tied to Dunmore and we'll see how that goes. Okay. All right. What's up next? Couple to watch in July. Penn State. I, I mean, with however many commit, uh, eleven commits that, that they have right now. I mean, you, I don't see a run of you know six, five, and five days or anything like that. I think that's out of the way. Couple to watch in July. I think Penn State's doing really well with Michael Johnson Jr. right now, the quarterback out of Oregon. Um, that that one's sort of been a wild card. Of course, the second quarterback in the class is what Penn State wants, and this kid's a really good athlete, uh, improving as a thrower from what we've heard from the Elite Eleven. So, so that would be a plus. Salim Wormley. Um, um, has been quite, kind of quiet lately, is down to Penn State and Rutgers. I mean, I, I like where Penn State stands there. I think he's going to announce on the 23rd of July. Uh, Josiah Miaman uh, was in for uh, uh, camp earlier this year. You know, I think Penn State decides they want to move forward and take a tight end. I think he's their guy. So just a couple of guys to watch there. And, and Zach Harrison plans on announcing on August 14th. Penn State's still in the mix there. Um, obviously would be just a monumental pull um, to, to take him away from Ohio State. But, you know, Penn State's still mentioned in it. So we'll, we'll see which direction it comes. And just before we went on the air, Julian Fleming put out a top six. Clemson, Georgia, Ohio State, Penn State, USC, and Virginia Tech. Uh, I think the most notable thing about that, Josh Gaddis and Alabama not on there. Notre Dame, who who recently offered, not on there. And that that can change, no doubt. But, uh, you know, just to, to, to not see Gaddis after what has gone on with John Mechie in the last couple of weeks, I think is a good thing uh, from that angle. Penn State will get a chance to get Julian Fleming back on campus several times, I'm sure. Um, and, you know, these, it, it's going to be one of those guys that uh, you're going to have to fight for till the end. But I think Penn State has a lot of things going for it from that angle. Virginia Tech's inclusion was the most he's interesting been, thing to me. Yeah, he's been down there a couple of times. Um, so I think he was just down there uh, in June or maybe late May or something like that. So he's been impressed with them so far. Um, I don't think, uh, you know, I don't think it's a, a huge thing in terms of distance or whatnot, but I think, uh, you know, Virginia Tech has made a solid impression on him. I, th- I think he's been to all the schools so far. He went to Ohio State right after he was at Penn State for the team camp. Um, you know, he's, it, it, it's one of those things where you're just going to keep getting him back, and he's going to go out and visit USC, and, you know, our fans are going to panic about that and run circles around that. But in the end, you just got to keep recruiting him hard. I think Penn State has recruited him better than anybody to, to date. Who's going to be the new conductor of the panic train, by the way? Oh my gosh! Is it? It's going to be conductor less than just going off the rails. Your, we talk about filling your shoes from from a sight standpoint. I'm not sure if there's anybody who can step into your your Sanix there. I'm oh, sorry, you got your slides on today. Uh yeah. So I'm not sure who's going to do that, but we'll we'll figure that. We'll have okay. to we'll have to we'll call you in. You know. You yeah. Be, no, I'm I'm happy to stoke the fires and recurring guest on the panic train. So cool. Um, real quick before we wrap up on Fleming, because again, this is a kid who's announces his top six and he could name essentially any six schools in the country. So it makes you wonder if you had a top six, what would you? 
you name. And for me, when I look at his list, again, Virginia Tech uh, aside, it, that would probably be the five or six I would choose just as a, imagining myself as a, as a kid and, and understanding on a very surface level, you know, how these programs operate from a recruiting standpoint, of course, their success. So let me get the first mailbag question and jump a segment real quick. We'll return to our stupid Penn State power rankings. Um, you have to name a top six. Oh, wow. Admittedly, you're, you're a Pennsylvania guy, and I'm springing this on you. But, like, I think it's a fair, fun question. Okay. You, who, would, who would you name as your top six from everything that you know from, if you're a big 2025 star like Julian Fleming? Oh, man. Uh, if, I'm a, if I'm a five-star, I mean, he doesn't have Alabama in his list. But if you're a five-star, you probably have Alabama on your okay. list. Um, Florida State, the way that they've been going um, with, with Willie Taggart, I think that they're going to rebound and, and recruit very well. Uh, Georgia has been insane. I yeah. mean, just if you're a five-star, Georgia's probably on your list, and they are probably on your funny. list. Uh, yeah, I'll put them on my list. I've never been to Athens, but I'll, I'll put yeah. them on my list. Here are good things. Yeah, here are good things. Ohio State's a juggernaut. Um, Penn State doing ex- extremely good things. And then I think you you always include someone you know way out of region. I think USC fits that bill as well. Okay, so, so no Clemson for you. No Clemson. I mean, I, you don't want the Lazy River or uh, oh, that's right, Laser Tag. I think. Yeah, they do have better facilities than Penn State. Um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, Carolina barbecue though is still a little too like vinegary for me. I'm, I like the mustard, so I mean, I I, I couldn't narrow it down. See if because I'm not, if I'm making a list, Colorado's on there, and Colorado's not <laughs> on for anybody any of those five star kids. So, um, but yeah, it's just. You know, Notre Dame could be in if you're if you want to say academics or Michigan as well, or you know Miami's flashy. You can make an argument for a lot of schools. Um, I don't know. It's just it's so tough. It's so tough, especially we're on, we're on a Penn State podcast, and and I did include Ohio State on there, and I don't think anybody's going to appreciate that. So yeah. Well, again, I can say as many fires as I want. Just uh, just <laughs> leave them for you to put out. Just <laughs> threw a punch and walked out of the bar. Just, no, I was genuinely yeah. interested. I mean, you, you would know more about all these situations, good and bad. I mean, there's so many good situations. I mean, you've got the Texas schools as well. Texas A&M has popped up. Uh, yeah, I'm not a big Texas A&M guy, but Texas A&M has popped up over you know over thing. And that's the other thing. These kids are are talking about you know getting out of the cold weather i mean they're gonna find that every place has its downsides i mean you go down alabama right now it's probably 100 degrees so i mean it's yes. there's there's i mean you you've been to you've been to baton rouge i mean it's pretty hot and sticky there as well so yeah i mean there, there's downsides to every place there's there, there's obviously upsides to a lot of places so i, I just i don't envy these kids being about uh, baton rouge lsu didn't make the cut LSU didn't. Nah, I mean, if 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 he's an offensive player, I mean, True. LSU. That's that's tough. That's a tough sell. Cool. So, all right, interesting. All right. Stupid Penn State power rankings this week. Uh, not totally stupid, more nostalgic. Uh, this was your idea, but I happily obliged. All right. Top five Andrew Callahan stories on 24-7 sports. Oh, uh, and tail the tapes all aside because yeah. those, are, those are all the same. Everyone knows those. Animals, and, yeah. um, doesn't really count. So... This was tough. I mean, I had a good six or seven come to mind instantly, and then I evaluate not just the the fun in terms of the the material and the topic, and but also the research and the process and the interviews. So number five for me is there because I, I was really happy with the story, but also it was my first, okay, I can do this in the sense of a profile, like a deep dive into who someone is. And that was Jordan Smith. Yeah. So this was 2016. Also number one on the power rankings, most tweeted story by you of all time. 
<laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 Um, Put that one out there quite a bit. So, yeah, did. Uh, again, was really happy and proud of it. So, Jordan, Jordan Smith breaks out that Minnesota game. Again, the first one has an interception. They're depleted in the, the defense. A lot of injuries come up. Has a deflection against Ohio State. And you hear a lot about him then. But he quietly made plays for the rest of the season. Fumble recovery against uh, Purdue. He sees more snaps than he ever has before. And to me, his, his rise basically just mirrored Penn State. I wanted to dive into that. Spoke with a number of different people was happy with how it came out and like you said you could tell because i yeah. think 10 percent of my twitter feed still to this day includes jordan smith links so um and he loved the story so yeah yeah he was happy with that and his folks were and then people that i and that's that's not the goal i mean you can write profiles and i think there's stuff in there that people should not always be happy about but you know you you got the truth when you hear it from both sides right so that was fun uh number four this was back in the bye week last season penn state is six and oh they've got the number one defense in the country based on points allowed per game i go into speaking with Brent Pry, who is one of the easiest interviews and, and, and most enjoyable on the staff. He's I'm, great. He's just open, just everything's, you know, maybe not on the table, but like happy to give it to you straight. I get, if you look at the quotes in the last piece, the clinics one, like there are a number of cusses that I have to edit out in there. And that's just how he is. That's just who he is. Like, you know, you're getting it with him. So what I wanted to do was go through his career and find out how did you build this top ranked defense, which of course didn't finish there, but we'll get to that. And, um, he just had a lesson from all the different places he had been, and I was able to put that together. Do you remember that one, too? I, I made the big mistake of tweeting that out. I think it was on the Friday before that week because they didn't play the weekend, and I didn't know if they were going to hold the ranking yeah. because Alabama was playing, like, you know, I don't know, Vanderbilt or someone. And I was like, if they only give up a touchdown, they could take that rank. Yeah, the news dump. Yeah. 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 Um, but I wanted to get out there. And it was fun. It was it was a great sit down, talk with a few other people just about how he's been doing. And it was, again, one of those like different kind of deep dives. Not, not. You, you, yeah, it was good. It was good. Your number three story you wrote this week, the clinic story with Tim yeah. Banks and Brent Pry. Uh, very grateful to those guys to give them time. Plus, I mean, they were, you know. Fairly candid about what they were doing. Or what they were doing. Yeah, a lot of those quotes came after the fact. It's, it's tricky going into the clinic, which was out in Allentown the first week in March. And it was one of those horrendous uh, snow, like sleet storms. So I got there late and registered under a high school I used to cover at my old job down in Lebanon and loved it. I mean, it was fun for me because it's all accident oriented, but they were great. A lot of people there came up to them afterwards and said thank you. And again, you just get this raw, uncut, unfiltered. They're not trying to recruit anyone, they're not presenting for the media, they're not, you know, in a meeting room where they've got to accomplish, you know, certain objectives with the kids and make sure they understand they're, they're teaching, but like they know everyone there speaks the language. That was a lot of fun. Number two, uh, Tony Carr profile. This was the longest one I've ever done. Uh, hardest part about this was writing during football season. I'm halfway through it. I swear. <laughs> and, uh, you know, part of that was just fun because again, it was more, it was different from what I think we, we normally have on the site, but I felt like I really got to know Tony's background, spoke with his family, former coaches, current coaches, and just got down to, if Penn State wants to save Pat Chambers' job, if they want to make the NIT, if he wants to make the NBA, he's got to change fundamentally who he is. And I think almost probably did that too much shooting yeah. a little bit this year, which which not not to a, like a detrimental degree, but you know he he was a leading scorer in the Big Ten, uh, high volume shot guy, and now he's off to the NBA. Congrats to him, and that was that was a lot of fun. And you predicted his landing spot. I did. Did not make the list. How about that? Yeah. 
Nailed kind it. of bummed now I made that VIP. Everyone could have seen it. Yeah, but, uh, you can always go back and change it. Unlock it. And last one was just uh, getting into scout teams. This was uh, another long-form piece um, talking about how they work, the intricacies of this. I talked to uh, upwards of like 20 different people, not all of whom were quoted in the story, but GAs, players, coaches, what they mean to the program, how they happen on a daily basis during the season, and then little tidbits basically every week in 2016 of how the scout team contributed to wins over Iowa over Ohio State, how the, you know, you pick up sacks. These are just guys who are on the scout team on the bottom of the roster. No one's heard of and then really don't care about. And the best Matt Limegrover quote. Yeah. That, <laughs> that was Charlie, the lead of the piece. Charlie Schumann was your MVP. Of the MVP. Of the he was the reason we won the Big Ten Championship. Yeah. That was something that he said. I think my lead was like, you, you kind of question his contact with reality as he says this. But Matt Limegrover was like, yeah, he set the tone. He's a culture driver. He's he's a man. Charlie, also great guy. Sat down with him oh, before. He's fantastic. Him a few yeah, other always been a great kid. Super smart. Uh, super generous. Gave up a scholarship to Old Dominion to come here to walk on. Yes. Yeah. Which, you know, kind of mind-boggling. But, you know, it's, it's, it's worked out for him, I think. Yeah. So that was it. Um, All right. Enough nostalgia. Yeah. We don't want to make you cry here. But uh, speaking of not making you cry, mailbag's up. <laughs> mailbag. All right. Most important player on the offense not named Trace is an easy answer for me. As I said during the fantasy draft, Miles Sanders, um, I think the drop-off from back number one to back number two is substantial enough to make him the most important guy. I think that's that's a, probably the right answer. Yeah. Um, I know I said it. <laughs> but anyway. But if, if you're going to go elsewhere, I would say probably Juwan Johnson. Um, and it's not so much from the standpoint of maybe Justin Shorter couldn't replace him at the X, but I think if you just take him off the table, your other starters right now, Tompkins, who's a deep threat, no question, and, and works really hard, and Brandon Polk, maybe KJ Hamler, no one scares you. Like there, There's no one you have to specifically game plan for. And then he's a five-star freshman coming in, he's super talented, but there's always an adjustment period, and I wonder how that would go for Shorter. So, so if John Johnson gets hurt, I, I think that group might be in a little bit of trouble. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's a good pick as well. I mean, you can argue for maybe Connor McGovern because he can play guard, tackle, or center. Ryan Bates you know, can play a couple I different positions. About Bates. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're good players up front. You don't, you never want to lose those guys. But I would say I would go with Miles. Juwan's a good answer too. So, yeah. but Trace is obviously no top, top of top. So. Over under on commits before lash bash. I mean, Salim Wormley is going to announce on July 23rd. Uh, we'll go one and a half right here. I don't expect a ton of action before lash bash, and you know, unless somebody that we mentioned earlier, Michael Johnson, Josiah Miaman, um, can can possibly make a decision. But we'll just go with one and a half and throw it out there. So okay, all right. I'm going to take the over. You're going to take the over? Yeah. Well, that I mean, you want people to love you as you walk out the door, so. And if it, doesn't happen, like if it doesn't happen, please forward all complaints to at Sean Fitz, yes. 247. All right. Uh, last one, overrated, underrated position group. Uh, this is a tough one. I mean, I think we – I like to think we properly rate these guys. But, uh, yeah. yeah, what do you got for overrated? I think I would probably go to the wideouts. Yeah, um, that's what I have written. And, and again, Juwan Johnson, you look at him as a potential draft pick next April, but had one touchdown last year. And it might have been the biggest touchdown of the entire season, walk off against Iowa. Right. But there's still an, you know another level for him to rise to. And again, if, if he doesn't get there, maybe gets hurt again, you know, missed all of spring, should be fine for camp. Um, he might be in a little bit of trouble. There's potential there, no question. Oh, yeah, I think they're all potential. But I mean, Tompkins is good. Um, Jawan Johnson is great. Uh, I, I think he's going to be a all Big Ten type player this year. Um, but yeah, beyond that, just it's not a lot of proven guys that are out there. Polk has played a lot of football. Hamler had a great spring. Hip and Hammer had a good. 
there's a lot of, hey, there's there's an example of when he's been good, but it had it hasn't been during the season. So right. I mean, I think that's uh, I think that's fair to call the wide receivers overrated until they do a little bit more. And I think the potential is through the roof there. Yeah, yeah, I think that, that that's an easy place to go. Okay, uh, underrated. What about linebacker? Yeah, I think we like to sort of just you know crap on these guys because they, they, they've not been great. And, and, and I think, you know, the guys like Co have admitted they haven't been good enough, they, but I think they can get better. I think they, they have enough bodies and I think they have enough guys that they can throw out there to find the right combination. Even if it's not, um, you know, Manny and, and Koa, or excuse me, uh, Koa and, uh, <laughs> Freudian slip there. Oh, yeah, I was going to say. And Cam, Koa and Cam Brown. Um, you know, even if it's not those guys, I think they can find guys that can work in there. I think Parsons can work in there. Um, Ellis Brooks, I think, can come along and, and, and be a Mike that you need uh, in in the defense. So I think maybe a little bit underrated right now just because the I think a lot of the criticism is deflected their way. And because Manny Bowen's coming back, as told by Sean Fitz at last 24-7. <laughs> uh, hey, hey, caught me there. Don't know. Let's, yeah. I, yeah. I will put out that fire that yeah. I just started. That is nothing official, nothing we're reporting, Freudian slip, because it's rumored – We've seen it. We've heard it. We've got nothing. Yeah. For now. Anyway. Um, I, no, I think they're properly rated. Because I, I, I think the linebacker to me is like you're fighting a two-front war, right? Like you've got youth here with Parsons, Jesse Lucetta, and, you know, some of the other guys in the mix there. And then the other front is just, you know, the veterans who, as you said, haven't been that productive. And right now are going to be playing different positions. Cam Brown, you know, had a cup of coffee at the Sam late last season. Farmer going into the will I think is a good move. But you, you there's just nothing established there. So yeah. you're trying to teach on one side you're trying to get potential out of the older guys that again haven't really shown something that would again it's an offense if you're game planning like we just talked about with the wideouts there's no one there that scares you you say we can go up the middle and i don't know what kind of resistance they're going to get against teams that are ready to pound the ball right uh for me underrated defense events i mean everyone expects them to be good i think these dudes are going to be great i wrote about sharif miller back in april and it was basically his sack total was not reflective of all the pressure that he got he was a top five defensive end in the big 10 i think the sacks are going to double this year. Shaka Tony, if he's really at 240, is a guy who can hold up. He looks it, man. He's, he's, he's noticeably bigger. I mean, I walked in, I did a double take on him because yeah. he's always been skinny, but he looks he looks bigger. But, but Colt is there. Shane Simmons. I mean, more young guys coming in with just top flight potential. I, I think they're just going to be able to continue to roll them out there. And and last year when Buck Holtz goes down, you have this drop off because Miller and Tony have to stay out for all these pass rushing reps. I, I think it, now you don't have as many specialists or guys who you say, you know, we're kind of crossing our fingers there for stretch of Shane Simmons was that guy for a little bit early in the season. Got better as the year went on. But these dudes are just going to be great. Yeah, but for the guy that started driving the hype train on these guys in like December, I probably couldn't count them as underrated. So <laughs> that's my bad. That, that, that's a personal reflection on me. So, but all right. Anything else? No, this is about it. Um like I said, it's been it's been a lot of fun. It's been it's been hard work, but I, you know, I've been really lucky. And uh, I, I think everyone here for listening, when we did this podcast and, and did it twice a week during the season, did it more in the off season. I think we expected, and I think it's certainly grown. Um, I'll still have a podcast up in up in New England, so definitely listen there. Uh, I know you will. Oh, um, be tuned right in. <laughs> you can call me for stereotypes. I'll call stuff. you for uh, Washington. Yeah, Redskins. Speaking of stereotypes and uh, Washington Redskins week, how about that? Great. But I'll be back too. I mean, I, you know, I don't anticipate it this season, but I think uh, 2019. I mean, I'm going to have to come back for a tailgate. 
You almost I'll have to. Say My hi dad's to everyone. gonna be really offended if you don't. Yeah, no, I'll be there. I definitely want to see your mom and, and everyone on the site. So if and when that happens, I, I will give you a heads up. Um, you know, uh, maybe a bye week slipped in there. I looked at the Patriots bye week this year. You uh, Penn State's at Rutgers, uh, and I loved it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't love uh, you that much. <laughs> I can get you a credential. You can get in that press oh, box. Oh, you got a connection for me? Huh? I, I can figure it out. Yeah. Okay, trust me, I can figure that one out. All right. Well, until then. It's been fun, and uh, until next time, it's the Lions 24-7 Podcast. See ya. That's gonna get me sentimental. You know I'm sensitive. I got a gentle mental. Every time something happens.